today we have uh, a guest speaker here, uh, a great friend. His name is Nathan McClellan. And uh, we can put our hands together for him. He's not going to come up just yet. Yes, that's your name. Uh, Nathan and I first met uh, towards the end of 2020. I think it was actually my first day on sabbatical and I was visiting one of our board members' houses, a common friend, and uh, he was there. And uh, we prayed together, actually offered to pray for me. And uh, that started a relationship, a friendship that has continued on since then. And we've been in different journeys, uh, you know, with, with the board and with the leadership team here. And when we wanted to learn how to do things some different ways in that space, uh, we called Nathan and asked if he would teach us to begin to learn how to discern God's will together as a group. And uh, so he's been working with the board and with the leadership team of Curate since 2021, I think it is, since the beginning of 2021. He's the Reverend Dr. Nathan McClellan. And so he's a reverend at St. Paul's Church in Auckland. He's got a doctorate in theology amongst other things. Uh, he is also the CEO of Venn which uh, is an educational institute, a Christian educational institute. And he's a man deep in the spirit and in wisdom. And uh, it's important, we've, we found it really important to bring him in at this season of the church. He's spoken at Kingdom Builders and other things many times, but to bring him in at this season of the church to share whatever he felt that, like the Lord was leading him to share. And so, uh, he's going to come in just a moment and I, I, I hope that you'll uh, lean in. But he's asked if we would read a scripture before he comes. So let us do that. Ephesians 3, verse 14 through to 21. I'm in the NIV. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of the glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love, that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Ko te kupu tuatai kātuku, ki tō tātou kāinga matua tama me te wairua tapu, ko ira te timatanga me te whakamutu nā o nā mea kātua. He honore e karore ki te atua, he mau nā rongo ki te whenua, he whakaro pai ki nā tangata kātua. Amine. I offer my first words to Almighty God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. He is the beginning of all things. Do you believe that? 
and He is the end of all things. And all things are caught up in His story. If we've put our trust in the Lord Jesus, we are part of that story too. And so we pray that His name would be glorified, that His blessing would be on this Fenua, on this particular piece of land. And we pray that His goodwill would be towards all people. Amen. Amen. Uh, It's so good to be with you this morning. And uh, Joel, thank you very much for your warm welcome. And I am so grateful uh, to God for our friendship and what God has brought out of that already and what I continue to hope and expect that he will bring. Now, I am uh, married to this beautiful woman in the, in the middle here. Her name is Bronwyn. I've known her since she was four years old. Yeah, that's the reaction I usually get. I hasten to add, I haven't been married to her since then, um, but I've known her and her family for a very long time. Been uh, married, it'll be 25 years next year. And these are our two boys, Jonathan, uh, on your left, we call him our little Canadian because he was born when we were living in Canada and Caleb, our little Texan, he was born when we were living in Dallas, Texas. Notice little Texan, not little American, okay? (laughs) Texas is its own thing. Now, we were hoping uh, that the whole family would be here this morning, but that just has not happened. Um, My youngest, he got concussion uh, during the week, which is a bit sad. And I, I'm, I'm actually really gutted about that because I really wanted Bron to be here with me this morning and there would be maybe an opportunity for us to minister together. That hasn't happened, but we've done the, the next best thing, I think. We've got a little recording. So one of the things that Bron and I love to do is to proclaim the Scriptures together, to proclaim the Scriptures together. And uh, we will often... When we're speaking together, we will do that together. And we haven't been able to uh, obviously do that together this morning. So we've got a little recording. So all going well, the technology should work. And we're going to have this little proclamation based out of this amazing prayer of Paul's in Ephesians 3, what I'm going to call the prayer for power. And um, Bron and I are going to proclaim this together. So let's just hope that this works. Through the cross of Christ, we have come to Christ's love for us. Its width, its length, its height, its depth will sustain and carry us always. Therefore, boldly trust the God who is able to do a than we ask or imagine because the Holy Spirit is at work in us. This is an amazing passage of Scripture that I want to unpack with you this morning, Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. And if you've got your Bibles there, I would encourage you to turn to it. I don't mind if you do that on your phone, but this is an incredible passage of Scripture, an incredible prayer of the Apostle Paul's that I want to unpack with you this morning. And I I want to suggest at the outside that in the heart of this message, which is about the love of Christ, the infinite love of Christ, which we see supremely in Calvary's cross, 
there is a particular word for you as a church here this morning. In my early teenage years, my dad was a minister. On his study desk, he had two ballpoint pens. They were gold, faux gold, not real gold. And both of them had inscriptions on the pen, on each of the pens. The first one said this, with God, all things are possible. Do you believe that? With God, all things are possible. This inscription is taken from the words of Jesus in Matthew 19, verse 26. Jesus makes this statement after the disciples come to him and say, who can be saved? Who can be saved? And Jesus said, with human beings, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. The second pen was inscribed with these words, prayer changes things. Do you believe that? Prayer changes things. I don't know who chose those two inscriptions, but I want to say whoever it was, they chose, that person chose well. If we believe in the God who can do the impossible, then we will be driven to prayer to ask that God will do just that. And if we believe that prayer changes things, then we will go. We will go to the God who is able to do the impossible. My dad, who owned these pens, and he passed away earlier this year. They're now in my possession, at least one of them. I'm not sure what happened to the other one. Somehow it's got lost. My dad lived, I think, out of these two inscriptions. His life, I think, was a daily witness to the fact that with God, all things are possible, and prayer changes anything, everything. There's a deep mystery here I want to acknowledge and how this works, the sovereign action of God in the world, in our own lives, in our families, our businesses, our workplaces, indeed even in our churches, and our own participation in that through prayer. Of course, only God can rescue someone from sin, and yet we are called to pray that God would work in that way, aren't we? Only God can heal. Only God can do that. But we are called to pray for healing. Only God can bring reconciliation between two people, but we are called to pray and to work for that. And this scriptural prayer that is before us today, this prayer from Ephesians 3, I think encapsulates, brings together these two petitions. It speaks of a God for whom all things are possible. In fact, the scripture ends with these words, to the God who is able to do more than we ask or imagine. I want to say now, I'm nearing 50, I have seen in my life God do things that I would never have dreamed of asking or imagining. That's God, isn't it? He's got a good future for us as individuals, for our family and our churches. And I believe that this prayer, it calls us, it draws us into the reality that prayer 
changes things. So we're going to look at this together. And I want you, as we do, to have a particular image in mind. And the image is this. The image is of a chain. A chain. Chain is made up of different links. And what I think Paul is doing in this prayer is he is asking God the Father to do things that are like links in a chain. They build successively on each other so that by the end we have a chain of prayer, a powerful chain of prayer which leads us into the fullness of who God is and what God wants for us. So we're going to look at this together and we're going to keep this image of a chain in mind. Now, before we get to the first petition, I want to draw your attention to two things. In verse 14, Paul says, for this reason. Now, whenever you see in Scripture something like that, you've got to, you've got to go back and work out what the reason is. Paul says, for this reason, I I'm about to pray, and I'm about to pray in the posture of one who is kneeling. What's the reason that Paul is praying? Well, we see this in the first couple of chapters of Ephesians 3. And I want to suggest to you we might capture what the reason is for Paul praying in one word, and that word is reconciliation. Reconciliation. That through the blood of Jesus shed at Calvary's cross, first of all, we are reconciled to God. And then because we are reconciled with God, with each other. And Paul believes that this reconciliation has broken down the wall that divides two groups of people, the Jews and the Gentiles. Or we might say this morning, the Kiwis and the South Africans. <laughs> there is now, because of the fact that we are reconciled with God in Jesus at the cross, there is no wall, there is no barrier between us as God's people. In fact, what Jesus is doing is he is making us one people, one people. In Ephesians 2, Paul says his purpose, that is Jesus, was to create in himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile them both, both of them to God through the cross. And by extension, God is doing that for all of us. He has brought us into reconciliation with himself and then out of that reconciliation, with each other. That gives me great hope, I think, actually, for our nation of Aotearoa, New Zealand, where we need to see, I think, deeper reconciliation between peoples. And because of this, Paul, Paul says, because of the fact that we have reconciliation in Jesus, I'm going to do something. I'm going to kneel. Now, for us, kneeling is a posture that we often do as Christians. But for the Jews, kneeling is unusual. The posture of prayer is usually to stand. 
And it's only when you are extremely earnest that you get down on your knees and pray. And Paul is saying, because of what Jesus has done and because I have had this revealed to me and I am now one who is called to proclaim it, I kneel in earnestness, even excitement, and I pray these things. And what does Paul first pray? Look with me at verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches, and God's riches cannot be exhausted, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. The first petition, the first thing that Paul asks for is strength. Strength. Strength for your inner person, for your soul, for your, your inner being. Now, every Christian is, of course, filled with the Holy Spirit. That happens when we become a believer. But what Paul is talking about here is the strengthening, that supernatural strengthening that happens in the life of the believer as he or she grows and walks with Jesus, such that they become stronger and stronger. That's meant to be the pattern every day. Do you believe that the Holy Spirit still has strengthening work to do in your life? Do you believe that? You know, some of the strongest Christians that I know are not the strongest physically. That's often because they're getting on in years. But inwardly, because they have been people of prayer and they have known the strengthening work of the Holy Spirit, they have become strong inside. There's a little lady at the church where we attend. She's in her 90s now. And whenever I see her, I get excited and sometimes a little bit worried because she knows the reality of this. And I wonder when I see her, what is God going to say through her to me because she is someone who has experienced this reality. When I speak sometimes in the morning, she always sits in the row behind us, which I find so reassuring to know that she is there. God promises in the power of his spirit to strengthen us. And then Paul continues, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen strengthen you with power through the spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. The Holy Spirit's presence and power unites us with Jesus so that Jesus is present to us. One of the things I loved about the worship this morning was the focus on the person of Jesus. And you know what? I am not concerned that we emphasize the ministry of the Holy Spirit too much because the reality is because God is one Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Spirit will always be to lift up Jesus. And so as we become people who are more and more filled with the Spirit of God, we will become people in which the presence of Jesus is really seen. Do you believe that? It's the next link in the chain, the presence 
of Jesus as the Holy Spirit does his work and power amongst us. Jesus will be seen in us as individuals, but then also collectively as God's people as we gather. And of course, the prerequisite for that is faith, faith in Jesus, that we've turned in trust to Jesus, we put our trust in him. So then the power of the Holy Spirit, first to strengthen us and first to make known present amongst us Jesus. And then I think we come to what is the heart of this prayer of Paul's. Ephesians 13, the second half, uh, sorry, Ephesians 3, 17, the second half of that verse through to 19. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all God's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul is praying here that as Christians rooted like a tree in the soil of Christ's love and established like a building on the foundation of Christ's love, that we would grasp, that is we would understand, but not just understand, that we would come to know, know personally, the love of Christ. Power to grasp, understand, Power to know personally the love of Christ. Understanding and personal knowledge, not abstract knowledge, personal knowledge of the love of Christ for you and for me. That love is so wide. That love is so long. That love is so deep. That love is so high. You know, it is so wide that it can encompass all types of people. It doesn't matter your ethnic background. It doesn't matter your socioeconomic status. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done if you turn to the Lord Jesus the width of his love can encompass you. It's so long that I believe it can carry you through all of your life and into eternity. I've experienced that and I'm, I'm praying that I will experience that for many more years yet. It's so deep, it's so, so deep that it can enter into the deepest darkness, brokenness, depravity of any human being. There is nothing beyond, there's nothing beyond the love of Christ. Christ's love is so deep that it can reach the worst of sinners. And it's so high, it's so high that it can take you into the very presence of God and into his life forevermore. Wide, long, deep, high. The ancient commentators on this 
passage. This is in the sort of first two to 300 years after the scriptures were set. They loved this passage. You know why they loved it? Because they saw in it the cross of Jesus, the width, the length, the depth, the height, the cross of Jesus. And there's something very profound here for me because it is at the cross that we see the love of Christ most supremely. I've had a lot of people who wonder what God is like. They've got questions about evil and other things. Well, I say to them, if you really want to know what God is like, come to the foot of Calvary's cross because there you will see the holy and merciful and self-giving love of God. Holy, holy love, because at the cross, God does judge sin and evil. But merciful, so merciful, because at that cross, Christ makes the supreme sacrifice for the sin of the whole world. What I'm about to to say to you, I I want you to test, but I put it before you. I, I believe Jesus wants to bring you anew as curate church to the foot of the cross. And from that place to understand and experience the holy love of Christ. And this is going to mean repentance and refinement. Yet what lies beyond that for you, I believe, is, to use Paul's words, far more than you can ask or imagine. But you need to. Jesus is calling you to the foot of his cross, that you might understand that you might more than understand that you might experience his holy love through repentance and refinement. There's a kid's rhyme that I used to um, say with my, my, my eldest boy, Jonathan. He's a young man now. Um, the, the rhyme was called Going on a Bear Hunt. How many of you know it? Yeah, cool. And what happens, they're on this bear hunt, right? And they, they meet different obstacles, different challenges along the way. You know, it might be tall grass or it might be a, a swamp. And they say these words, that, that group are on this bear hunt. Can't go over it. Can't go under it. Can't go around it. Got to go. Got to go through it. I believe Jesus is saying the enemy will try and obscure the cross among you. He'll try to take you around it, under it, over it, but Jesus wants you to go through it. And at this place, you will experience repentance and refinement, but the holy love of Jesus like you've never experienced before. And beyond that, more than you can ask or imagine. In fact, this is where Paul goes. He says that as we come to understand the love of Christ, 
which we see supremely at Calvary's cross, that we will be filled to the, to the measure of all the fullness of God. Greek here just sort of packs up uh, terms to say like full, 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 beyond what you can imagine, to all the fullness, to all the fullness, the fullness of God, that you would know the life and the power and the character of God like you've never known it before. So we see here that Paul, in building this, this chain of prayer, is moving from this petition that we would be strengthened by the Holy Spirit. That we would find ourselves knowing the presence of Christ in and amongst us because of the Spirit's work. That Christ might dwell with us, that he might live with us. And then we come to understand and know the love of Christ, that infinite love, wide, long, deep, high. And then that leads us to know the fullness of God. When we capture a glimpse of that, a glimpse of that, we will, we will remain on our knees and we will praise. That's the final link in the chain. Paul ends up in, in this prayer as the final link and then I think calls God's people into something for both now and all eternity. He, he ends in praise. He ends in a doxology, a song of praise. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to to his power that is work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. God will be praised in the church that is in us and in Jesus. Jesus is still at work by the power of his spirit. Through all generations, that is through all history and forever and ever into all eternity. Prayer here leads to praise. I've been uh, pondering this prayer uh, throughout the week. And at the same time, I've um, been reading a, a biography of uh, John Wimber. Some of you will know John Wimber, uh, founder of the Vineyard Movement, uh, used powerfully by God, but a very humble and funny man. He used to say to people, I'm just a fat man trying to get to heaven. Increasingly, I'm finding that's my challenge too. <laughs> There's a song that emerged from uh, the Wimber uh, era of leadership in the vineyard and it's called More Love, More Power, More of You in My Life. And I think this, that song captures what Paul is saying in this prayer. More power, the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, we need that power in order that we might understand the love, the holy love of Christ. That we might come to the foot of the cross and there experience more fully the love of Christ.
And as we do that, we, we will know something of more of the fullness of God, more of you and my life, Lord. More power, more love, more of you in my life, Lord. And then that transitions into, and I will worship you. I'll worship you with my mind, with my heart, with my strength, because here at Calvary's Cross, we have, we have captured, we've seen, we've experienced, we've tasted the love of Christ. They love it so wide, so long, so deep, so high. So there's an invitation and there's a challenge, I think, to you as God's people to come to the foot of the cross. And I want to suggest that there's actually no better way to do that than actually by coming to the table of the Lord. You know, I, I'm an Anglican, and our opening prayer for communion said, we, the, the minister says, the Lord is here, and then the people say, God's Spirit is with us. Can you say that? I'm gonna say, the Lord is here. You see, it's the table of the Lord. The Lord is here at this table by his spirit. And on the night before he died, he, he did something amazing with his disciples. And we, re, we remember this, we recall this. He took bread and when he'd given his father thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take, eat. This is my body given for you. I imagine they experienced something of the infinite love of Christ as that happened. Then after supper, he took the cup and when again he'd given thanks to his father, he gave it to his disciples and said, drink this in remembrance that I have died for you. This is the blood of my new covenant which is shed for you and for many. We're part of the many. Do this to remember me. So we're going to come to this table here. And this is the perfect moment, I think, to come to the foot of the cross as we take bread and wine, as we recall, as we remember what Jesus has done for us. But I want to suggest that this is not just a table of remembrance, actually, that God, by his spirit, as we take bread and wine, is ministering to us, ministering to us in the power of his spirit, including giving us the power that we might know, that we might understand the love of Christ. Lord, we do not presume to come to this, your holy table, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your great mercy. We're not even worthy to gather up the crumbs from under your table, but, and this is key, but you are the same Lord whose nature is always, always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the body of your dear Son as we take this bread and to drink his blood as we take this wine, that he may evermore dwell in us and we in him this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen. 